titled as Unforgettable Experience. Unforgettable Experience. And, and the reason I didn't delegate this message to one of our team, one of our staff pastors, is because I'm doing some vision casting today. And I want to share my heart with you uh, today. I'm going to make some, some statements that are very biblical today, uh, but for some of you may be very shocking. Uh, yet, but grounded in the Word of God. Let's just dive right into it today. Point number one, you can follow along with me in your bulletin. Uh, fill in the blanks, take some notes there. Uh, number one, sinners were comfortable around Jesus. I want you to really understand that sinners were comfortable around Jesus. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter number nine. If you don't, the verse will pop up on the screen. But if you have a Bible, Matthew chapter nine, uh, keep your place there in Matthew nine. We're going to uh, come back to that on every single point. Matthew 9, beginning in verse 9, the scripture says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth. And Matthew was a, a sinner. He was a, a tax collector. Tax collectors, they, they were known in that day to be cheaters and, 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 and to be people that, uh, that were not living for the Lord. And I want you to look at these two verses from Matthew's perspective. The Bible says, Jesus said, follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Isn't that amazing? They were talking about a sinner, a, a tax collector. This is his job. This is his livelihood. And Jesus comes and says, follow me. And he actually leaves his livelihood, leaves his lifestyle, and follows Jesus. Verse 10 says, while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Now, 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 that's unusual. Sinners came and hung around Jesus. They were attracted to Jesus. They wanted to eat with Jesus. They were comfortable around Jesus. The Bible says in Luke chapter 19, picking up in verse number 5, the scripture says when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus, the Bible says, was a chief tax collector. He was the, the head honcho. He, he ran the, the government, and he was a, a, a thief. He stole from people. Matter of fact, Scripture goes on to say uh, later on in, that verse, in those verses that he, he, he was going to give back what he had stolen from people. Zacchaeus was a, a sinner who did not know God. And Zacchaeus, Jesus said, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Notice verse 6. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus, a sinner, welcomed Jesus. He was glad to take Jesus to his home. He was excited about it. He was attracted and drawn to Jesus. Luke chapter 15, verse number 1, the scripture says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. Check this out. The tax collectors, the sinners, they wanted to hear what Jesus had to say. That They wanted to hear his teaching. They were attracted to him. They were comfortable around him. They wanted to hear what the Lord had to say. There's a second thing that I want you to notice. Number two is this. Jesus was comfortable around sinners. Not only were sinners comfortable around Jesus, but, but Jesus was comfortable around sinners. Let's go back to our opening scripture. Uh, Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 9. Scripture says, as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Now, now let's view this scripture from Jesus' perspective. He's sitting at a tax collector's booth. Jesus said to this sinner, follow me. 
He told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner, look at it from Jesus' perspective, at, at dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Did you notice something? Did, did you notice that Jesus didn't go to the religious community to call his disciples? Jesus didn't go to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders of the day to pick his 12 disciples. He went to sinners. Matthew was a, a sinner. He was a, a tax collector. He was, he was cheating people. And, and Jesus called him to be one of his disciples. That messes up some of your theology, doesn't it? Jesus was comfortable around sinners. Let's take it a step further. Not only did he call Matthew to be one of his followers... But Jesus hung out with sinners. Immediately after telling Matthew to follow him, the scripture says he went to Matthew's house and he ate dinner with him, more tax collectors, and more sinners sat around and ate with Jesus. You know what I like about Jesus? He wasn't threatened by sinners. He wasn't intimidated by people who are far away from God. He wasn't scared to be around sinners. You know why? Because Jesus loved sinners, and he still loves sinners today. You know, Jesus, he, he didn't stand up and, and say to the sinners there, he didn't stand up and say, all of you get away from me, I'm holy, and you're going to hell. He, he, he didn't do that. He was comfortable. He, he, was, he, he was comfortable around sinners. Now, that's what some of y'all do with sinners. Come get away, I'm holy. Get away from me. You're going to hell. That's not what Jesus, that's not what Jesus did. He, he was comfortable around, around sinners. And friends, as, as a church, we shouldn't be scared of sinners. We shouldn't be intimidated by people who are far away from God. We, we shouldn't be threatened by those who don't know the Lord. Matter of fact, let me just give you some vision here. I want this church, People's Church, to be known as a church where sinners are welcome to come hang out with us. I want this church to be known. Matter of fact, I, I want you to come say to me, Pastor, can you believe such and such is coming to our church? Yeah, I can believe it. I'm excited about it. I want this church to be known as a place where sinners are welcome to come and hang out with us. And I know this is going to bother some of you, and some of you are going to come up to me and say, Pastor, I can't believe that person is cussing in church. And I'll just say, I can't believe some of y'all cussing at home. <laughs> That's a whole other message. I, I don't, don't have time to go there. I, I expect people who don't know Christ. I expect people who are far away from God to come into this place confused and broken. I expect them to come with all kinds of issues, all kinds of hang-ups, and all kinds of problems. And if we're being the church, I didn't say coming to church. I didn't say being religious. I didn't say talking about church. If we're being the church of Jesus Christ, we will love them just like they are and let them have an encounter with Jesus Christ. Jesus hung out with sinners. I told you we'd be making some shocking statements today. Number three, number three, religious people didn't understand Jesus. They didn't understand Jesus. The Bible says back in our opening scripture, Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 11, 
when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? The Pharisees, they, what, what, why is this Jesus fella hanging around these sinners? What, what's wrong with Jesus? They, 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 they complained over in Mark chapter 2 and verse 15 when, when Jesus was at Levi's house this time. The Bible says while Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples. For there were many who followed him. Verse 16 says, when the teachers of the law, we're talking about leaders, the religious leaders, the teachers, the people dissecting the scriptures, the teachers of the law were, who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors. And they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? I'm confused. I don't understand this holy man of God, this son of God, this Jesus. Why in the world? is he spending so much time with these sinners. Luke chapter 15 and, and verse number 1, the scripture says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees, the religious leaders, and, and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them? I'm confused. I'm perplexed while the Son of God is hanging around heathens. The scripture says in Luke chapter 19 and verse number 5, I read this to you a moment ago, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Verse number 7 says, all the people, all the people saw this and began to mutter. No doubt the Pharisees probably led the way. As you study the New Testament, you see they, they didn't understand Jesus. And the people began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner? Friends, can I tell you that religious people couldn't understand why Jesus hung out with sinners. You, you, know, you know what they thought? They thought, if G Jesus, if you're so spiritual, you wouldn't be hanging around those sinners. You'd be hanging around us, talking about deep things. You'd be hanging out with us. Learning the Hebrew and God's texting the Greek. Come on, Jesus, if you, were, if you were spiritual. I mean, come on, Jesus, if you were really spiritual, you wouldn't be picking sinners to be your disciples if you, if you were really spiritual. I mean, Jesus, if you were really spiritual, you would realize that church is for church people. And God is for religious people. And you would be hanging around us. I want you to notice that, that the religious people, they just could not understand Jesus. And let's look at point number four, our last point today. I know what some of you are thinking, Pastor. I hope you don't feel good next week as quick as you're preaching today. I like this. I, yeah. <laughs> Lord, don't let them feel good. No, no, come on, come on. Believe with me for the Lord to touch my body. Come on now. Now, I am a preacher, and, and I do have a gifting, and I, I can make one point last 20 minutes, so don't get your hopes up too high. All right. Point number four. Point number four. I want you to know Jesus came for sinners. Jesus came for sinners. Look back with me in our opening scripture, Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 11. Scripture says when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? We, we, we're trying to figure this out. Why is the son of God not hanging out with religious people and why is he spending so much time with these sinners? What's his deal? What's his, what's his problem? And Jesus gave them an answer. On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy 
who need a doctor, but the sick. But but go and learn. You you may this this is so confusing to you. You may not grasp it all at once. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call up the righteous, but sinners. Jesus said to the Pharisees, "Listen, I I came for sick people, because the healthy don't need a doctor. I, I came for sick sinners." I left a perfect place and came into a sinful world for sick marriages. I left my father's glory and came into humanity's presence for sick relationships and and sick drug addicts and and sick sex addicts and sick cheaters and and sick liars. I I didn't come to hang around with religious folks. I, I came for sick people so that they could be made well. You see, you know what Jesus understood? Jesus knew that if he could get sick people in his presence, they would be made well. Because whenever you get sick sinners in Jesus' presence, they'll have an unforgettable experience that will revolutionize their life. And friends, hear me today. That's what this church is all about. We're trying to get as many sick people around Jesus so they can be made well. The reason we have a kids department where we teach and preach the word of Christ every week in our kids department is because we're trying to get kids who are lost without God to come and have an unforgettable experience where their life is altered and they live the rest of their life for Jesus Christ. The reason we have a youth ministry and we, 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 we worship God in our youth services every Wednesday night and, and the word of God is preached by our student ministries pastor is because we're trying to get sick teenagers in this place to see their life change and have an unforgettable experience with the Lord Jesus Christ that changes their entire course and their destiny and their life. The reason in this service every single week we worship the Lord and have anointed worship that focuses on Jesus and we teach and preach the Word of God is so that sick people, hurting people, broken people can have an unforgettable experience that changes their life. I don't feel very good right now, but I'm about to get up and preach just a little bit right now. You see, I'm convinced... I'm thoroughly convinced that if we can get sick people in God's presence, they'll have an unforgettable experience that will transform their life. And Jesus said, the reason that I came is I came that sick people could be made well because the healthy don't need a doctor. And that's why I focus so much of my time on sick people. He goes on to say in Luke chapter 15 in verse number 1, I read this to you, but we're going to expound on it just a little bit more. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees, the, 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 the religious leaders, the, the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And, and Jesus wanted to, to, them to understand why he was doing this. And so he responded to, the, to them. He explained to them why he was doing this. Then Jesus told them this parable. And throughout this parable, Jesus explains his heart. He explains his motives. He explains why he wasn't with Pharisees, but he was with sinners. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses just one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine and one open in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? In other words, Jesus said, hey, 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 Pharisees, you get the whole money deal and the marketplace and raising sheep. And let's say you got a hundred sheep and you know they're valuable. That's worth some money. And just one of them goes away. He says, what do you do? I'll tell you what you do. You do whatever it takes to get that one sheet back. 
You go into the open country. You deal with the mosquitoes, the bugs. You deal with crossing the river if you have to. You deal with the weather. You deal with whatever you have to deal with to get that one sheep back. He said, let me tell you what you don't do. You don't just stay there with the 99 and say, well, we're fine. <laughs> sure glad I got 99. Hope they can make it over here. Hope that she finds. Let's, let's just kumbaya and hold hands and praise Jesus together. And aren't you glad you're saved? I'm saved. You say, I'm saved too. And it's wonderful. No, 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 no. You go after this lost sheep until you find it. Verse 5. And when he finds it, he cheerfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. He said, I'll tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And, of course, Jesus gives two more parables explaining his heart in that passage in Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son and the lost coin. And Jesus simply tells the Pharisees, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm not hanging out with you and I'm hanging out with those sinners. Because I came for broken people. See, you, you're confused about my purpose. I, I came for hurting people. I, I came for, for lost people. I came so that sick people could be made well. That, that's why I came. And I want you to understand my heart. We're going to continue to be a church that always aggressively pursues people who are far away from God. That doesn't mean we don't want you to grow in the Lord because we do. I believe in growing and developing to our full potential. And that's why I teach God's Word here every weekend. I don't just preach a salvation message. We cover lots of different topics to help you grow in the Lord. That's why we have our community groups. I hope you're plugged into one where you fellowship and grow and talk the Word of God. And Iron sharpens iron. That's why we encourage you to get involved in the ministry. If you want something to transform your life and start serving other people, you'll be more like Jesus Christ. That's why we have a class called Starting Point, so that people can come and learn more about God and how to live for God and how to walk with God. But yet we're not going to turn into a church where we just hang out with the 99. You're going to hell. Hope you make it. God bless you. We're going to aggressively, aggressively pursue people who are far away from God so they can have an unforgettable experience and their life can be changed by the power of Jesus Christ. And for us to continue to aggressively reach as many hurting people as possible, beginning December the 1st, we're going to be canceling our Saturday night services and we're going to add on December the 2nd, we're going to add a fourth Sunday morning service. Our Saturday nights have done well. We've had great attendance. That's not the issue at all. We've had... Averaged around 350 people at times, 400 people in our Saturday nights. But as we begin to look at the statistics and who's coming, uh, we, we, we've noticed that the majority of our guests come on Sundays and the majority of our salvations take place on, on Sunday. Let, let me just share some statistics with you very quickly. Our, our Saturday nights, uh, we average six guests, six new guests every, every single weekend on Saturday nights. And and most of those guests, as we've looked at the communication cards and kind of dissected this whole thing, most of those guests have come from other churches, and they come to worship with us on Saturday, and they go back to their church on Sunday. And praise God for that, that they come and that they enjoy what, what the Lord is doing here, but it's not helping us accomplish the vision that God's given us. Uh, we average 23 new families or guests every single weekend on, on our Sunday services, so uh, that's how many guests we average. And uh, we, we, we've... On Saturday nights, we've had 162 salvations since Saturday nights have begun in January, and praise God for that. And our Sunday salvations, we've seen 1,193 people give their heart to the Lord in our Sunday services that said, I want to surrender my life 
uh, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so for whatever the reason, the Lord is blessing our Sunday services in an incredible, incredible way. And so we just want to get in line with what God is doing at this church so that we can reach more hurting and lost people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, let me give you very quickly, because it didn't affect you near as much as our Saturday crowd. And let me tell you what was amazing. I love this church. Our Saturday folks were so with us last night. Uh, excited to do whatever it takes to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I appreciate our Saturday folks in, in such a, a marvelous way. But th- this will affect your life just a little bit as we change our service times and out a fourth Sunday service. Let, let me give you the new service times beginning uh, December the 2nd. Our, our first service will begin at 6 in the morning. That's a joke, folks. I, I can even be funny when I don't feel good. I can be funny. I can still be, I can be funny. Yeah, I can <laughs> and I want all of you at that service too. No, just, uh, our first service will begin at 8:30 in the morning, 30 minutes earlier. And I'm asking as many of our nine o'clock folks, and I've asked a lot of our Saturday night folks to commit to that 8:30 service. I've been pleasantly surprised. Praise the Lord! Many people are committing to that service. Our second service will start at 9:45 in the morning. 9:45. Our next service will start at 11 a.m. And then our fourth service will start at 12:15. 8:30. A 9.45, 11 o'clock, and 12.15. And we're going to create another service. And, of course, this is not a, long time, a long-term fix. We're in the works of planning and praying and strategizing for a new facility. So that's in the works as well. We realize this won't uh, solve all of our, our growing problems. And that's why the Lord blesses us with 50 acres. But we're going to create more room to reach more people with the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ. And uh, let, let, me, let me say this to you, church. It's, it would be very easy for me and very easy for you, all of our regular attenders. It would be very easy for us to get used to what God is doing here. But I want to tell you, it's not normal what God is doing here. I, I just had a pastor fly down last week uh, who met, met with me, came down to check out our service from Columbus, Ohio, had heard about us and what the Lord is doing here, uh, and just wanted to meet with me. And, and I wish I had some formula. I wish I could say, hey, if you do these six things, God will grow your church and lives will be changed. And it just not, you know, without God's hand. And without his blessings, we can program and staff it up and do whatever. But without God building his, God builds the church. God asks for the church. And for whatever reason, the Lord's hands on this church. And I don't want us to take it for granted. This church in, in the last eight months or so has grown uh, three to four hundred people. O- only the Lord could do that. O- only the Lord can do that. Uh, we've seen over a thousand folks give their heart to the Lord. Only the Lord could, could do that. We're a diversified church and a unified church. Only the Lord uh, could do that. And what, I, what, what I don't want you to do, church, is take for granted what God's doing here. You see, it'd be easy for us week after week because every week we see people give their heart to the Lord. Every week it's just, ah, we can start taking it for granted. We can just start saying, ah, no big deal. Ah, that's good. Glad for you. Glad you raised your hand. But friends, what we have to continue to remember is that every time somebody gives their heart to the Lord, that's an individual with a name that was going through sin, that was in pain, and that was hurting, and that was snatched out of the grips of the enemy by the power of Jesus Christ and set free from sin. We can never forget that behind every single hand that's lifted, that's a person who God loves, who Jesus died for, who needs change by the power of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ takes broken people. He takes hurting people. He's lost people. And by his power, he puts them back together again. I was one of those lost people. I was one of those broken people. 
And I thank God that Jesus still changes lives. That's why we preach four to five times a weekend. I don't do it because it's good for my health. They say that 30 minutes of preaching, I've heard, is equal to an eight hours days of work. I don't know if it's true or not, but I know after preaching every weekend, I don't recover fully until Wednesday. But it's worth it all to see people come and give their life to Jesus. That's why I ask you to pray. That's why I ask you to give. That's why I ask you to serve. That's why I ask you to look beyond yourself and don't be selfish. And remember, there's a lost and hurting world, and it's Jesus. That's why I praise you for being unified. Because there are more crystals who are hurting, who are lost, who are sick, who need to be touched by the power of Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, in just a few short months, there's going to be a little baby that's going to be born that was scheduled five days out to be murdered because Jesus stepped in. There was a young lady that came into this place that was broken. She was confused. She came into this place and had an unforgettable experience that altered the course of her life. That's why we do what we do. Jesus, thank you that we get to be a part of you pouring out your spirit in these last days.